Welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peacock. Today's show is brought to you by Gymdesk, the easiest gym management software you'll ever use. Take payments, create marketing automations, track attendance, and much more. To try the software out free, go to gymdesk.com. No credit card or painful sales call required. Our hero today is Shane Mount, a veteran BJJ coach in the Hobson Moore Association and multi-time successful gym owner. Shane is one of the earliest customers of our Gymdesk gym management software, and he tells us how it has totally changed the way he does business and made his life massively easier. We also talk about how he got into podcasting and tournament hosting as a way to give back to the martial arts. Without further ado, Shane Mount. All right. Well, welcome to the Gym Heroes podcast. Um, so if you could uh, tell us who you are and kind of go into your martial arts background first so the audience knows knows about you. Sure. First, thanks for having me. Um, it's really cool to be able to get out here and connect with, uh, with Gym Desk as a podcast. Yeah, um, so my name is Shane Mel. Um, I am a lifelong martial arts dork. Uh, I have been training for... I'm at that age now where I have to think of how old I am. So I'm yeah. <laughs> and I, I started training when, when I was around probably about four. So uh, it started with judo for me. And, um, you know, through the course of the years, you know, I became a judo black belt. I was 19 when I started doing jujitsu. And uh, so that was 18 years ago. Still doing the math there. Um, yeah, just grappling fascinates me. Uh, you know, and I did the karate thing and then got into kickboxing like every guy in their 20s who thought they were going to be an MMA fighter and um, you know I've, I've done MMA I've trained MMA fighters and all that but it, the older I get the least that interests me and the mm-hmm. more the intricacies of jiu-jitsu are just never ending you know so mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much where I'm at cool so you're you're basically a lifelong grappler with a little bit of karate in there yeah um, you know jiu-jitsu judo as long as I can remember, uh, I wrestled in high school. I think for anyone listening, it's important to point out that when I say I wrestled, I was on the team because I was the only guy who could make 103 pounds. I wasn't good, <laughs> but I was yeah. there. I was present. So yeah. yeah, if it's grappling, it usually interests me. Sweet. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm almost the opposite. I've done, so I've done jujitsu on and off for several years now, but before that, it was just like straight Taekwondo, karate, kickboxing, like all the way up until, till pretty recently. But I've, as I've gotten older and, um, I've really just focused now on just like the grappling of it and not, not getting hit in the head. Yeah. It's weird. Like when you're 20, getting hit is cool and you laugh it off and you touch gloves. And like now, yeah. if I get hit, that ruins my week, you know, I'm like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. 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 I just don't need, I don't need brain injuries. <laughs> no, probably have enough already. Yeah. So that's cool. So you, now, now you have a gym. Um, I, I think I recall from listening to some of your other podcasts you've done before that you've had more than one before. Maybe I got that wrong, but what, no. what led you to start a gym? I mean, I guess, I mean, you're a lifelong martial artist, but like, what, what, what when did that epiphany happen for you? Oh man, honestly, <clears throat> sorry, I'm bad on this science infection thing. So I probably sound terrible, but not so good. Um, so I was in the military for a little bit and then I uh, did the law enforcement thing for a little bit and it, it wasn't, 
it wasn't like fulfilling. Like I felt like I was meant to do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my instructor at the time, I was with a different organization. I was like, man, why don't you teach? Like you teach the kids class here. You teach the beginners class. You're fantastic. We get great reviews. The days you're not there, people complain. Why don't you do this for a living? And that had never crossed my mind. Like jujitsu was something that I did at the end of my duty day or, you know, whatever. So I said, sure, let's, let's give it a shot and see. Um, and I did that for a little bit. And then it was eventually time to step out and do my own thing. Um, the organization I was with was very, so I was the Gracie Baja. It's not a giant secret, but it was very, if you know anything about jiu-jitsu associations, like they're very regimented, like in the curriculum they want done. And I didn't have the freedom to teach jiu-jitsu how I wanted to do it. And not there's anything wrong with yeah. how they do it, but I have different ideas, which come from a lifetime of judo and whatever else. Yeah. I started to really develop my own little system and I'm not like on the, the Danaher level or anything, but I have ideas that, that sometimes are different than a lot of other instructors. Mm-hmm. It's the order in which I want to teach things. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to go for it. Um, and if it sucks and it doesn't work out, you know, there's, there's always a, a variety of jobs I can get. And I'm young enough. I was still in my mm. mid, mid, late twenties. So I was like, I can, I can do something else if this doesn't work. And it worked. Um, and then I met, uh, so my instructor now for the last 15 years, or whatever is eight time black belt world champion, Hobson Mora, who's one of the most fantastic human beings I've ever met in my life or much more than an instructor. He's, I tease him all the time. He's my little big brother. Cause if you've ever seen a picture of him <laughs> or a picture of me and him, it, it's not the same. <clears throat> I saw the video of him. Some dude came in his academy or something. And oh, he, yeah. yeah. He toyed with him. I was like, this dude, how's he doing this? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, okay. So that video, that's, that's amazing that people bring that up still because so Hobson knew that it was being recorded. Yeah. Right. Like, as an instructor, you get this stuff all the time. Like, I just want to test the instructor or whatever. And Hobson's the nicest guy ever. But even like, finally, he had probably had enough. I wasn't there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but after it had been up for a day or two, he wanted it taken down. So the original post was from someone from our association. He was like, you know what? Let's take that down. That's not, it's not a good look for jiu-jitsu or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't, it, it almost seemed like, like some sort of stage thing or whatever. And he's just such a cool, humble guy that he's like, I don't need mm-hmm. to show myself in that light. By then the video had went viral though. It was already out there. <laughs> if you notice, yep. if you find it now, it's never coming from a, a arming you source or whatever. That's mm-hmm. just not him. like, if you have a conversation with him, he doesn't even mention, you know, winning championships or worlds or whatever. If he does, he does it in like a very casual joke about like, Oh man, I wish I would have won like, you know, two more times just to round it out or, you know, yeah. It's just very humble and uh and it's yeah. it's so refreshing to be around someone like that in a sport that's surrounded by so many huge personalities, like he's very approachable and normal. And I mm-hmm. think that was what made it this is where I'm gonna stay and this is how I'm gonna run my school and how I'm gonna treat my students. So that's cool. Yeah. Um so did you did you actually run more than one gym? I don't know if I've I missed have, that part or not. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um yeah. <laughs> So I have this problem where every couple of years I decide like, hey, things are going really well for me. Let's make it harder and just up and move to a new place I've never been and start over. And so I've run an academy in Florida. I've run one in Maryland. Uh, I ran a successful one in California. And now I've been here in Boise, Idaho uh, for coming up on six years. Mm-hmm. 
the other teammates in army, they just kind of joke around and like, if there was an award for opening more RMNU schools, then anyone, Shane would get it every year. So yeah, it's kind of my... <laughs> well, I mean, you have a good track record of success. That's, that's, uh, it's, it's nothing to be down on. Do, do you sell those off to, to like other people or they end up coming in or you just let them die? Usually, whoever the highest ranking is at the time, I kind of like pass that on, you know? Okay. And so like, um, and, and over the years, not all of them have made it or, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, for a good example, the guys that I was training in Maryland, which was my hometown of Baltimore, they were like, Hey, we love jujitsu, but we don't want to do this without you. Like, we don't want to be in charge. We don't. So I introduced them to uh, some guys from the, uh, the Daily Hebo Association. Mm-hmm. And they ended up as a group, like folding our school up and then they rolled over there. And it's cool now because I'm seeing like on Facebook and all one of my former students has just got his black belt the other day. So like they didn't quit jujitsu, but they're like, if you're not here, we don't want to try to keep up this act without you. We're going to go. Which was great, you know, like it, they're still yeah. trained. Um, the guys in Florida, the same thing. Um, California, California school, unfortunately, went down just due to COVID. They couldn't rebound. Yeah. So, California had it hard, you know, like yeah. in Idaho, we were closed for like two months. And when I say we were closed, I mean, we covered the windows, like no one really cared, but right. just the California guys just weren't really able to rebound. So yeah. Yeah, it was a mix. I heard that some people were still kind of rolling behind closed doors, and some people just—they were literally just shut down. They they wouldn't let Pete, they wouldn't let their students come, and it was just um, yeah. There's a lot of places. There's probably all over the United States. There's there's um, hundreds and hundreds of martial arts schools that are just destroyed from it. Sure. And, and no matter what back. your opinion about COVID is, you know whether it's real or a hoax or pro-vax or not, none of that matters what took a real hit was communities. And I had to think of how many people who use jujitsu as a form of like therapy or they're dealing with some sort of depression or substance mm-hmm. abuse or, or anything. Yeah. And that's been taken from them. And, and then these same people are now being shut in alone or like sitting next to that liquor cabinet that they've been able to avoid for the last six months or a year or whatever, because they were doing something healthy and positive. And now they're like, well, I'm going to stay home and watch the end of Netflix. And, you know, I, I really... I wonder what the long-term effects of this are going to be. And it's not just us as martial arts. We think that we have the best thing in the world and we do, but all the other people who are involved in, you know, CrossFit or yoga or, or any of these yeah, other gym, great communities. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and like, and I mentioned that because gym desk supports so many of these great communities, like that software can be used by anyone. So mm-hmm. it was, I'm just really curious. Like, I wonder how many lives are less than because of the pandemic now. Yeah, it's it's a question that was never asked by any public officials, any any health officials. It's not it's a question that's not asked enough by people. Um, you know, talking about the uh, the shutdowns is that uh, children are affected by it. Um, adults that really had good things going for them, they had routines that were really healthy for them, just totally destroyed things that they relied upon for their mental health. And yeah, I, I think that there's probably. I, I suspect that there will be more deaths from drug overdose and suicide as a result of the lockdowns than there will be from from COVID nineteen. Now, COVID nineteen is not going to go away. Uh, no. It's um, it's a it's like a it's like a flu virus. So the death toll from that is going to go up over the years. But as as far as the timeline of the lockdowns, there will be more deaths. I think, um, and we're not going to hear about it for a while, but uh, we'll, we'll probably hear about it in a couple of years. People, somebody will go back and things will have cooled down and it'll be okay to say, 
Right. Actually, this many people died from it that had nothing. Even, even, um, the one of the scariest one is, um, cancer, um, not being diagnosed, uh, just because people weren't, and there's other lethal diseases that probably are been been underdiagnosed, but, um, that's one of the scariest ones. It's just, uh, people afraid to go to the doctor or just couldn't go to the doctor, lost their job or something. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, they've got cancer and, you know, all these, all these people just up and died because they didn't get, diagnosed quick enough. I think that's definitely, that's going to be a really, that's going to be a, a problem that's going to be in the, the public discourse, I think probably in a couple yeah, of years. I never thought about that one, like the, the miss or the lack of diagnosis. The one that mm-hmm. kept me up the most was um, because years ago I had a student who was um, being, what's the word I'm looking for? He was just being physically abused, you know? And yeah. um, I would notice when this kid would come to class that like, you know, if I would go to like ruffle his hair or like give him a high five, he would flinch and jump. And I was like, man, what's going on with you? And and I'm thinking like how many kids are were stuck inside with someone that was harming them, either physically, yeah. emotionally, sexually, like yeah. without that place to go and without, you know, a professor or sensei or coach or whatever to to confide in. Because that kid ended up talking to me and, and you know, a whole thing happened and police were involved and yada, yada, yada. But to like how many people or abused spouses or things who just jujitsu was the outlet or, you know, yeah, I'm just curious long-term, but yeah, I think there are, I think their brain works. So yeah, I think there are numbers on that out now and child and domestic abuse is like skyrocketed. It's out of control. Um, probably coming down now since things are opening up, but you know, a a year ago, probably from, from, I remember seeing an article that on that specifically from somewhere like New York times or something. And, um, it's, it, it, I can, I can definitely, I'm certain that it skyrocketed. It was out and it's very sad to say, but that's, you know, when you just shut everything down, things from working normally, those are the sort of hidden consequences of that. There's uh, not only do you, you can't get away, there's just no support structure. There's no way to get out either. <laughs> well, there's the upside to it too. I mean, like, I don't know how many of my friends are having babies right now, but if I look at the timeline and I went backwards, I'm like, oh, that's what you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, what's happening to the kid right now? Or yeah. like, like yeah. dodge that bullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone at church all of a sudden was was uh, having children and baptizing baptizing them. That was funny. Um, and a lot of a lot of moms that had had their kids at school most of the, their kids' lives all of a sudden realize, hey, I really actually really enjoy having them home and teaching them and being with right. them. <laughs> so some families like, have been made stronger because of it. And, you know, and it's so to try to, to bring it back to, to jiu-jitsu and all because I'm terrible at tangents, but like one of the things that, that we were doing as a school was I didn't want to ask my members to pay for something I wasn't providing. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like, hey, I'm just not going to bill you guys. However, my members were so close that they're like, well, you know, professor, like you got to eat too. And we don't want to see the school get closed forever. So pretty much everyone who was a member at my school continued to pay their dues. Minus the people who lost their jobs because they were maybe like uh, bartenders or servers or, you know, service industry workers. So everyone continued to pay. And then Jimdesk rolled out the Zoom integration and the ability to upload videos and curriculums and do remote learning. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so in my free time, I'm an audio video dork and I like cameras and all that. I, I set up all the studio lighting and multiple angles and I was teaching on Zoom three, four hours a night and I wasn't the only one. You know, I saw um, other instructors doing this. Yeah. And then, so this may have really like 
left its mark on jujitsu, where I think digital learning is becoming more and more uh, accessible and acceptable to supplement what you're getting with inside of your academy, or the exchange of information was even higher. Um, so it's interesting to see how that will affect jujitsu in, in you know a year, two years, three years. I see these little videos of kids who are four and five on home mats, and they're doing some really incredible stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, man, would that have even happened if? If dad's a purple belt or a brown belt and suddenly he's just home all day. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to start teaching my kids jiu-jitsu. Like this could have maybe propelled jiu-jitsu forward. So it'll be interesting to see what the effects are. You know, yeah. I, I have a, f- I, I think that online training has become de-stigmatized, I guess. Um, there's obviously, there's, there's some, there's some obvious problems with it in terms of, do you have a partner? Uh, are you, you know, yeah. How's the intensity of your roles going and all that kind of stuff, but feedback, things like that. Um, but my, I have a friend who, um, he already had kind of an online training business going on, but it exploded during that time. Um, and it's, I think it's almost a full time income by, by now, but, um, he, he was also, he also worked for a school too at the same time. So he was teaching, um, uh, it's a little bit easier to teach. So he just uh, teaches Taekwondo. So sport Taekwondo. Um, so he, he can do a lot of like, uh, you know, more calisthenic stuff and then, then like go into like forms and, uh, stuff that more stuff that you could more likely do solo or if you have like what a brother resource. Cause think about, <clears throat> so you're a lifetime, lifetime, like Taekwondo karate guy at, you yeah. know, and, and I did all those things too. And I remember like being a child. So this was pre YouTube cause I'm old and <laughs> Going in the backyard, I'm going over these these katas and like trying to, and I'm like, God, I really wish there was just like a I could watch someone reference, yeah. right? So like, what we've done is we've taken this. It was always an issue, and and we had video pre COVID. However, this was the only way to train for some people. And will those people make that still a part of their day to day routine? Like, okay, this is my instructor, and I can watch exactly how he wants it done. And it's like I can have him with me all the time for something like you know kata or that's that's an amazing resource. And hopefully, when you know all the dojos and schools reopened, they they continue to create that content, and the students continue to use it as a supplement to yeah. their training. Yeah, there's been an ongoing problem, even in like just from a content marketing perspective, but like from a engaging your students, current students' perspective, you know. Uh, uh, a martial arts instructor or a school owner will open up a Facebook account, open up a YouTube account, and they'll post like one video. And then um, they, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, and they just don't, they won't keep up with stuff. And, you know, you, you do want to have touch, you, you want to attract, I mean, the biggest thing monetarily is to attract, attract people to your school, but keeping a student is really, really valuable. And in some cases, it could be more valuable. Um, and keeping people engaged. Uh, you want to keep their mind engaged on what it is that you offer them. You want to make those contact points outside of the school. You don't want them to forget about you while they're gone. So being able to produce stuff that they can see that shows up on YouTube, they get a um, an alert or they're just scrolling on Facebook and they'll, here's some, you know, such and such martial arts released a new video for you, for you to watch. Um, instructors, I think some instructors, they weren't able to, they weren't able to adapt um, and, and I don't blame them about like teaching on zoom. I don't like doing that stuff either, but, um, but they just weren't able to make content. So, uh, you, some the structures that made it kind of realized, oh, Hey, I can systemize this and get in the cadence. I can, you know, it's not, it's not quite as hard as it seems to be. And my business is going to do better if I produce content like this on the regular. And 
I don't love doing that stuff, which is why like we don't have the YouTube channel. And I didn't even fully utilize all of the great features that Gym Desk had. But because I'd rather be on the mat, I'd rather like, have the <laughs> yeah. experience. With, there's there's an energy and, you know, um, but like you said, if you get on this thing, it almost becomes a full-time job. And I'm noticing that like there are some larger academies where they have like a full-time social media content manager or like, yeah. Um, if you watch like the, you know, AOJ, the Mendez brothers, I'm probably like a, a, one of their biggest fans. I'm a big fanboy of anything Glaramy Mendez does. So mm-hmm. if you watch their instructional is not, it was really brilliant how they didn't set up time to record. They recorded the instruction that was already happening in the class. Yeah. So it just requires grab one of your students, show them how the camera works, show them where to be and how to set a white balance and, and some very basic things and then just do what you do anyway. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I never do. But yeah, you do it because not only then you, you capture the authenticity of the instruction and the original explanation. Because sometimes on like an instructional DVD, like Jiu-Jitsu Fanatics is great. Jiu-Jitsu X, like, these are all great. But when someone knows they're making an instructional, they don't have the same like dialogue or maybe the same explanation. It's more like step A, step B, step C. Yeah. You know? So I thought that was super brilliant how they were recording their classes. And the crazy thing is they had been doing that for a couple of years before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. when when everyone shut down, they were just like, hey, AOJ membership is free to our members and then discounted to everyone else. Um, so that was, that was really cool because they had years worth of content already ready because it's just the classes they already teach. Yeah, that's an excellent content strategy. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk does something like that or he, he has for years where he... He he just has people recording him all the time, and so there's bits of his conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't like that either. Um, but uh, I don't know, whatever. That's his thing, I guess. Um, I wouldn't do it either. But uh, yeah, but he's you get bits and pieces of nuggets from com- from organic conversation throughout the day, and they just cut it up. Um, and then the, his podcast was literally just he would get on the phone with somebody or have somebody in the, and they would just talk for like an hour. Um, but yeah, that, that's a great content strategy. Another person who did that really well, I think, was Marcelo Garcia. Um, a lot of his instructional videos are just him teaching in a regular class. It's not set up. It's not like BJJ Fanatics. Um, it's just him. And he's such a like good teacher. Um, this is tangent, tangential, but he speaks English as like a second language. And he's just... It's unfair how clear how clear it is yeah. when he teaches. Uh, I spent a long time trying to develop. Maybe he did too, but <laughs> um, yeah. He, but yeah, he's he's um, that was really good. That was really good, and and he makes he makes probably a lot of money off off of that. A lot of people sign up for for MG online, um, and it's just just good quality video shot on uh, on him teaching class, and then it's edited up really nice. So that's. And that's, you know, if you can get somebody on the, on the mat. Yeah. Because I think MG in action was like 2009 or 2010. I think it's been around that long. Because I remember being at the, the Mundials in like 2010. And mm-hmm. there was like an MG in action booth set up. Like, and, and he was really there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing all the political thing. But yeah, I think he was like the, one of the first to really get out there. So one, online content for over a decade. And two, it's Marcelo Garcia. I mean, he's yeah. arguably in the greatest of all time list. You, you got a couple names that, that are up there and his is in it, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that was great. 
I, I yeah. think I had an account a couple times, you know, I'd subscribe for a while and then you forget. And it's like that gym mm-hmm. membership you don't use. We just mm-hmm. you only remember because you see it on your credit card statement. You're like, I should log back in. But yeah, I don't have one now because I'm, I'm like 100% AOJ online. And I, I think that's a fantastic service. And yeah. 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 The, a lot of these are actually really, really good. They're, and they're underrated because um, what people, people don't realize is like with MG in action, uh, I think Josh Witzke, I think. I think that's um, the one of the guys he's worked with. He's like a big chess, r- big chess guy. Very big on learning. Um, he wrote a great book called The Art of Learning. He basically did like taxonomized what um, uh, everything that was being placed on there, so that you can search it really, really easily. Yes, that's the one thing. The MG in action interface was fantastic. Like if you had a specific position, you know, like daily Hiva, and then you're like top or bottom. Mm-hmm. Where like AOJ could really sometimes I spend it's almost like Netflix where I take longer looking for something to watch yeah. than watching something. So yeah, that was the, the MG in action interface was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, sometimes like it it almost like you see something great like that and you're like, man, what's the point of even trying? Like I'm not going to do it better than Marcella does, and there's no way I'm going to have that that like whole interface. But yeah, the yeah, and talks about his Grappler's Guide, which I've never used, but there I haven't are either. A lot of guys on there are like, I'm super interested in their content. And uh, I just never, I don't know, there's so much information out there now. Mm-hmm. And then with Jiu-Jitsu X, Jiu-Jitsu X, I think, has the highest production quality of any. I don't know if you've watched any of their stuff. but that's Is that Keenan's thing? Yeah. yeah. And everything that comes out of there is like cinematic lighting. And like, it's just, whoa, this is crazy. And the prices are incredibly low. And, uh, and they're constantly doing sales. And, and you know, I got put onto that one by by my students, like, hey, you know, professor, did you see this? And I was like, I sure didn't. Give me your phone. And I would watch it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy that when I get home. So like, it's just the jujitsu is, is like you said earlier, there's YouTube and, and all this stuff. It's never going to be an instructor. It doesn't tell you like, hey, Shane, your grip is off by a half inch or you need a little bit more because yeah. yeah. like it'll never do that. But I think there's a certain point where you've been involved in jujitsu long enough where you understand like conceptual jujitsu that you're able to now learn from other sources that would have been like Greek to you as a white belt. Like, I don't think any white belt should run out there and, and get an AOJ online account. I think that's bad. That's not... Mm-hmm. Like, stick to what... Stick to your instructor. <laughs> right. And, and then get that understanding and maybe get that blue belt. Um, the one thing I do tell every student who signs up at my school is like, hey, welcome to the team. Go home, get on Amazon, buy Jiu-Jitsu University, the Shanji Salo Hibiro book. Right? Yeah. Now, like, buy it, read the first chapter like four times, put it away, put it on the shelf. If you ever feel lost, just read the first chapter again. The rest of the book is just basic instructional. But the first chapter, that survival chapter, yeah, I think it's, worth, it's probably some of the best text that's ever been written about jiu-jitsu. And uh, they're supposed to be doing a second one. And so Kevin, the the author, is actually a friend of mine. And he'll, he gives me these little like tidbits here and now. Like, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to like, all right, we'll do it already. I've been waiting, you know. The other one was the, uh, the Andre Gaval drill to win. That was probably one of the I put that like number two best jujitsu book of all time. And if you mm-hmm. can find a copy now, it's like 250 bucks. <laughs> but it's I don't have that one. I have Jiu-Jitsu um, University though. It's very good. If you can find someone who's crazy enough to lend you their copy of Drill to Win, get it. And then I shouldn't say this, but I don't know, PDF scan all the pages or something. Like, <laughs> copy <laughs> Xerox machine. Old, right. Like this, this book is incredible. And every day is a different drill. There's 365 drills and it's, they're not techniques. They're just solo things. And mm-hmm. so during the, during the closure, 
I'll be honest, I was just going right out of that book, sometimes on camera, sometimes just in my own, but like that drill to win book, that was that was pivotal in in my maintaining any type of jiu-jitsu skill whatsoever. Yeah, that's another thing about co- content. If you want to produce content for for that, you don't have to make it up yourself. You can right. you can use whatever it is you're listening to, whatever it is you're watching and you can like you that's really great. Like you took this book out and you were teaching people these solo drills from a book that you actually can't buy. <laughs> um so right. it's so like yeah, it's not like that everyone could just buy it and not pay you money. It's like people couldn't find it. So you're taking that, you're teaching it to them. Um but yeah, you can use other people's content and um, put your own spin on it. Uh, Absolutely. That's, that's a great way that's to the approach it. Is, there's different grips for everything. There's, you know, like, you know, you may like a, you know, a thumb down grip on something and I may prefer four fingers in and, and then you have your reasons why and I have my reasons why. And like anyone who, who says like, oh, for example, like, oh, Shane's not making his own content. Not that I make any content, but no one's making their own content, you know? Yeah. And it, we can get really into it. And I can tell you like Elio Gracie didn't create his own content. This is all judo that's been really well marketed and then switched into something else. And if you really True. dive deep in like Drysdale's uh, open guard project or close guard, whatever it was, or you look into like Kosen judo, like you'll find pictures, black and white pictures of dudes with short pants putting daily heba hooks in, you know, with like this, none of this is new. The fact that someone put their name on a technique, like this is the daily heba guard. No, it, it's been a thing well before that. So mm-hmm. nothing is original with grappling and, and that'll, I take that back, you know, like Keenan and some of these guys doing some of the lapel stuff, but I don't know. It, it almost seems crazy to think that somebody somewhere didn't do that first. Like, it, yeah, yeah. We're all just, we're all just remixing. Like what was that guy in the nineties and two thousands who couldn't make his own rap songs? A Puff Daddy. Like we're all just like re, re everything is a remix or a remix <laughs> or whatever. And that's cool because new things develop that way. And that's why jiu-jitsu is crazy because there is no end. It's going to keep going. It's going to, you know, like the, a couple of years ago, everyone's like, oh my God, Baron Bull is the new greatest thing. And I remember going to Professor Hobson and be like, hey man, did you see like this new like Baron Bolo stuff? And he shakes his head at me. He's like, my guy, we were doing that years ago. Like it was a bad <laughs> then. We didn't call it that. We called it, you know, I don't remember what he said, but like it's, uh, that's the thing. There, there's no original content. If, if you want to get a book out and, and make videos off the book, do it. And you just, I mean, don't quote it word for word and don't say that it's, I developed this system. Say, hey, this is something yeah. I learned. And, you know, like it just, if everyone just be honest and just kind of relax a little bit. Right, All right. these cool Instagram reels, like no one came up with that drill. Somebody saw somebody else do it and they're like, oh, I'm going to do it and I'm going to use a different song. And like, okay, no big deal. Yeah. Just enjoy the content. It's not that big of a deal. It's like even with the Kosen judo thing, I, I know there's some judo people are kind of, um, uh, I don't, they just, they have like a thing going on where it's like, yeah, it's not. Just judo, um, and uh, it, it is funny because, like with the coasting judo thing, I, I have a theory that it's uh, that they that they developed concurrently jujitsu and coasting just because the of the I didn't think I didn't feel like there was probably a lot of people that did did coasting that were going back and forth between Brazil, um, but jujitsu did not definitely didn't invent those things because if you put a more if you have a judo in a more ground based environment all that stuff is going to emerge because everybody's looking for an advantage. Everybody's looking for crafty ways to get around, um, you know, different, different body types and strength and speed and flexibility and things like that. Uh, if you just give a rule set and let people go, everything's going to happen. Like it's just going <laughs> to, 
So like I'm a perfect example of, so my school, it's, you know, rain, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo. I a hundred percent acknowledge the judo roots of everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a huge part because, so with the average person's a white belt for like a year, year and a half, you know, in jiu-jitsu school, mm-hmm. I was a white belt for four months from my first trial class to the day I got my blue belts, four months. During that wow. time, I competed like three times and it's not that I was super white belt. It's that on my first day of jiu-jitsu, I was already second day in judo black belt. Like, yeah. So as soon as the match hits the floor and, and the people that I trained with growing up were very interested in Nawaza. So like triangles on mm. the floor, this wasn't new. I was like, okay, you're, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing a little different. You know, um, I think that the, the judo newaza is maybe a little bit more like hurried or forced or you yeah. know so the transitions in in the jiu jitsu maybe are a little smoother or there might be like longer strings of things um, but so i adapted really really quick and i like i say i got the blue belt like right away unheard of mm-hmm. and then i stayed a blue belt for a very long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i was a blue belt for like 4 years you know but i'm like yeah. oh how did I go four months to four years? But like, you know, my instructor at the time was like, dude, we had to, your head was so big. And every time you went to one of these tournaments, you killed everybody. Like it, you were going to quit. If we wouldn't have gave you a blue belt, you would have been, man, I have nothing to learn here. As soon as yeah. I put that blue belt on, people started like hammering on me. The purple belts and the brown belts before were like, all right, we're going to turn it up a notch. Sorry if you're hearing airplanes, there's an airfield right down the street. Yeah, no worries. I probably heard my family in the background being yeah. I'm down. I'm actually in Florida. Or uh, the pre-vacation, I'm working the first couple of days, but then I'm on vacation. But yeah, <laughs> no worries. Uh, Melbourne. Okay, near yeah, Cocoa so, Beach. So my first school ever was about 15, 20 minutes from you in Merritt Island. That's no. where. I opened, yeah, that's no where way. I opened my first academy. I know Merritt right. Island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right across from Merritt Island High School, if you walk out the front door, there's this tiny strip mall. That's where my school was. Yep. Nice. Yeah. That's I, I love it down there. I, I I miss it all the time, except for like love bug season and hurricane season. But yeah, yeah that's that's wild. Like that, I know that area very well. Yeah. Sorry, so, I'm distracted. No, it's, I'm I'm king of the tangent too. This is why probably no one listens to our podcast, but. I forgot what we were talking about before that, but oh yeah, this, the, the translation. So yeah, I think it, for anyone to think that any of this stuff is new is crazy. Like uh, I have, I have a young man at, at my school. I school. I'm getting old. I start to say things like young man. He's like 21. <laughs> yeah. He's a state champion wrestler. He's, he's a phenomenal athlete. And his journey from white belt to blue belt wasn't very long either. And some people are like, why? And I'm like, because look at him. He understands connection. He understands pressure. He's got amazing work ethic when it comes to drilling. He's very coachable. He knows how to listen. And when he goes to compete, he doesn't have the same jitters and the anxiety and the things that most new white belts have because he's literally been wrestling since he was three years old. When I talked to him, he said, yeah, I got my first wrestling shoes out three. So if wrestling had a rank system, this guy would be a third, fourth degree black belt, you know? Yeah. So it, it was an easy translation for him. It right. was learning some nuances, learning some different terminology, getting comfortable with some concepts that he wasn't before, like being on his back. Like in mm-hmm. the beginning, he would just wrestle up. But, you know, if he had any type of guard, it was like sweep to the top or wrestle up. Yeah. But he's since developed that too. 
And the same thing. And one of his teammates from high school joined with him. And that guy's older brother, who was like my top student, they were all just from a great wrestling program and they were slaughtering white belt divisions. They had to go blue. And then in the blue, I'm seeing them embrace jujitsu. And you're seeing this really, really cool fusion between they they all love to go for the two. These boys won't pull guard no matter what I tell them. Like they, they're fighting for the two. But then and it's amazing because they've got their own styles. You know, one's really into like a reverse daily heat, but the other one's like a half guard wizard. It's just seeing the fusion. And at the end of the day, I start to sit back and I'm like, man, grappling is grappling. If you want to call it jiu-jitsu, cool. You want to yes. call it jiu-jitsu, great. You want to call it samba, call it whatever. Grappling is grappling and it is the most natural form of combat. If you watch two animals fight on National Geographic, very few animals strike each other. Most mm-hmm. of them attach and, and try to roll each other up or whatever. Yeah. Like This is how we're designed to fight. If you look down at your hands right now, there's tiny little bones. They're fragile. They're not war clubs. Like the, we shouldn't be swinging these things at people. Like grappling, it's it's the true natural way of combat. It's also like it's like the oldest unarmed martial art in existence. Like the uh, the it's like the the primordial martial art is wrestling. Every every culture has a wrestling rule set that's well known. Yeah, I was just on. Jim Trick's podcast the other day, My White Belt, and that came up. And I don't think that episode has been released yet, but that My White Belt is a fantastic account to follow on Instagram if you're new, a lot of motivational stuff. But we were talking about that. And uh, I remember seeing the Mongolian national jiu-jitsu team at the World Championships, and they didn't have anyone who was above a purple belt. But when you start talking to them, because I'll talk to anybody, mm-hmm. every one of them was a judo black belt. And every one of them grew up with Mongolian wrestling. And I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. And that led to me going home and like doing a bunch of research. And like, man, Mongolian wrestling is like back in Great Wall China time. Like these guys like getting after it and they got their own like rule set. And it it was really intriguing. And then I go down these rabbit holes of like uh, Senegalese wrestling in Africa. And, you know, like, it's just like, you're right. Every culture, every culture has some form of wrestling. It's just, it's amazing. And it's, uh, I, I, and as a karate black belt and all, I still think grappling is the most efficient form of combat out there. And people will disagree. And there's always that person who's like, well, I remember, so I used to do the MMA thing and I had a boxing coach and he was, you know, training me. And one day I was just having a bad session and I was in my 20s and I had a, a bad attitude sometimes. And I remember messing up whatever drill he wanted me to work. And on the break, he was like, man, you'll get it. And I was like, well, if I could just grab you, you'd get it. And he was like, all right, tough guy, like grab me. <laughs> and he put his gloves on. And I said, can I take my gloves off? I don't want to hit you. I just want to be able to use my hands. And he threw a couple shots and I ate a few, but I got close enough to clinch him, take him down and do what I wanted. It was like UFC one, you know, like, yeah. And after that, he was like, man, that was cool. And he became a student of mine and he's still a jiu-jitsu <laughs> guy to this day. I mean, he loves boxing and, and he's like, you know, absolutely with the, the proper distance and all, like this guy's good. Like he, he could like kill a man with his hands, you know, but yeah. he's a jiu-jitsu guy. And as he approaches his forties, he's like, yeah, I would like to be able to know more because you could take the, the baddest, uh, you know, Olympic Taekwondo guy or, you know, world champion Karateka and like soon as someone wrapped them up 
it yep. takes them down. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, that's how I, that's kind of how I got into jujitsu was I thought it was dumb. And, uh, I thought all that was dumb. And then I was like, yeah, Taekwondo karate kickboxing. That's the way to go. And then yeah. I just, some, some kid at a camp, uh, wasn't even a good wrestler at all. Like he just wasn't even good. He was sloppy. Um, he just took me down and then I couldn't get up. Yeah. So I was like, ah, okay, never mind. And it's weird when that happens because you're like, man, it's all been a lie. And it's not a lie. And I hate to see guys from traditional martial arts, and I, I do the air quotes, traditional martial arts, yeah, come over to jiu-jitsu and then suddenly start bagging on where they came from. We right, have to right, see right, the right. value. Like I have one student who is a fourth or fifth degree Taekwondo black belt, used to own an ATA franchise. He's really good at what he does. And I'm like, man, don't bag when you're, you're past like that. You've got an incredible range of motion in your hips. Your balance is perfect. You're a mm. fantastic student, you know, like as you, your attention to detail and how you, like yeah. we all got something from those things. And to this day, I'll use his name because I don't To this day, if I'm like a couple feet away from Andy and that's where the altercation starts, he will kill me. He will jump, spin, kick. My head will come off. That will be the, you know, I, I have to get a hold of him. So like, I hate to see people discount any martial art. I'm yeah. more like the, the Bruce Lee thing, you know, like reject what is useless, keep what is you know, of use. There, There's something good in every style out there. And the yeah. older you get, you're like, man, it's just fighting. It's all, or it's just, just martial arts. That's a better explanation. But like, mm-hmm. it's just martial arts. It's just this, this thing. And you should learn all of it. You know, if you want to box for a little bit, box for a little bit, learn how to, you know, tuck your chin and how to mm-hmm. make a fist and, you know, like every, there's a, there's a value to every style except for one, but I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to tank your podcast. <laughs> you can come yeah. say it on my other podcast. There's three. <laughs> I have three. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but um, there's, there's a few. It's like, man, that's, uh, you're going to get somebody. Yeah. My big thing is all the, like the Jason Bourne stuff where we're taking regular run of the mills people in a suburban shopping center. And we're like, Hey, we're going to take this gun. I'm like, no, if you've got a gun, you can have my iPhone, my car, whatever you, let's not build this false sense of confidence. Mm-hmm. And then the number one question I always get from like new jujitsu students is like, what if there's more than one attacker? I'm like, tie your shoes really tight and run because only in the movies, this Jet Li or, you know, Ip Man fight a room full of people. That's just not real. You yeah. Know? Like, even if you're, you know, hoist Gracie and you, pull guard or whatever like now you got people stomping on your head there's no there's no one martial arts style that's gonna be this one size fits all t-shirt for every aspect of your life so there yeah there isn't a style there isn't a style that does multiple attackers well people think that there's a couple of names that'll come out and they are not they're 100% not designed for multiple times I think the best thing you do is uh, actually, boxing is pretty good. If you stay, if you stay mobile and keep the guys lined up, you can create an opportunity to, to escape. Um, but you're not, but you're not knocking all the guys down and, and yeah. leaving that room with them all there. You're, you're finding a way to escape. You're not like, you're managing the damage. You're not, uh, you're not conquering the enemy. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're just not. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree with that. But, um, yeah, you, you'd mentioned earlier, we were talking about how technology has affected the way, um, people were teaching over COVID and how it might permanently affect things going forward. Um, You were, as I understand, you were one of the earlier um, people that came on to the Jim desktop platform. And and for the listeners, Jim heroes is the podcast of Jim desk. Um, uh, So 
I'm, I'm curious actually what got you sold on Gymdesk because I'm sure that you used some software before that. Absolutely. Um, I've, am I supposed to say their names or are we going to be nice and not? Uh, let's, uh, let's be careful and be nice. <laughs> um, I used, I used some of the big ones that were synonymous with like karate and taekwondo schools that, um, you know, they, they yeah. had features built in that were specific for that. And so that didn't really help me out. I used some that were designed for, you had a yoga center or whatever, and like nothing really checked all the boxes. Most of them had a ridiculous monthly fee. The, mm-hmm. the learning curve would be terrible. Like, hey, we're going to set you up for yeah. this online orientation. And I, I remember I used one. I almost did it. I, used, I almost said the name. I used <laughs> one and um, they sent me like this 72-page PDF. <laughs> I'm running a business. I don't have time to take a, a college course on how yeah. to software, you know, or just very unintuitive features. And so a friend of mine is another jiu-jitsu black belt. He runs a Hanu Jiu-Jitsu in San Diego. His name is Brandon Guptill. He's been a gym desk guy longer. It was martial arts on rails when we came on. Like it's so yeah. it's rebranded. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in fact, I have to force myself to say the right thing on my podcast when I'm I was like, oh yeah, martial arts on. And you know, my co-host will like kick me under the desk. No, it's gym desk now. I'm like, oh yeah. So um Brandon had been around since it was martial arts on rails. And uh I noticed he had the website because Brandon doesn't do any web design stuff. That's not his mm-hmm. brand Jitsu Yoda and and that's what Brandon does. And I'm like, man, your website's actually pretty good, man. Like, I didn't expect that from you. As you know, I'm teasing. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't. I entered in some basic information and I, and it built it for me. And I was like, oh, no kidding. So I'm looking at it. So side note, I do web design and graphic design on the side in addition to... Mm, cool, so yeah. I went to his website to be critical and to be a jerk. And I was like, this is actually pretty good. Uh, and it has, it checks all the boxes. It has everything. And I saw like the little martial arts on rails logo, like in the bottom. And I was like, hmm, what's that click? Went to the website. This was still early stages. And so the website wasn't overly informative at that point. Plus anybody can make anything look like anything when it's an advertisement. So yeah. I just, I called my friend and said, dude, don't BS me. Is this good? He's like, I pay $60 a month at the time or whatever it was. And he's like, and it's fantastic. And the guy who owns a jiu-jitsu guy. And if I have a problem, I call him and he answers or he calls me back. And I was like, that, that's what I want. I want a product that's actually being used by people like us or who are created by people like us who understand what we need. Mm-hmm. And I want help. I don't want a 72-page PDF or a series of YouTube videos like, oh, for the next 12 hours, learn how to use the software you pay for. I just want help. And... um he connected me and uh, I, I think I signed up. He got some sort of referral thing or whatever. And I logged in. And the fact that it was web-based was amazing because I could anywhere from any time, like I could handle some sort of work function on my phone if it was an emergency or something needed to be done. Yeah. I could sign people up remotely at events or things. Um, we went to a tablet only in our school for the longest time. I was able to get rid of like square point of sale and those things because the point of sale was just good. Um, and it just keeps getting better and better with the mm-hmm. appointment scheduling and, you know, like just all these features. I swear it's like once a month I get an email. Hey, these are the new features. And I keep waiting for the like, 
And by the way, we're going to charge you more. And it never happens. It never comes. Like I, I yeah. keep more value and I'm, and I'm paying. I don't even know what I pay anymore. It's been, been so long. I don't look at it, but I know that it is probably half of what I paid for other services that yep. did not do any of the things that Jim Desk does. Yeah. And you need to pay more money for the integrations to do those things. Right. Or to unlock them. <laughs> yeah. You know, or the like, hey, get our software and then also get a MailChimp account. I'm like, man, I can do all my mass emailing through Jimdesk so easy. And just yeah. little things like, I think the one add-on I have with Jimdesk is the ability to send text messages. And we're talking, I think that's like a, two bucks. Or I don't, I don't want to misquote, but it's nothing. I spend more on a cup of coffee on my way to train at 6 a.m. than I pay for that feature. Yeah. And... We're in Idaho, so we get winter and snow, and sometimes there's a closings or whatever. And like, I can just type my text message, click send all, and everyone gets it. And I'm not trying to track people down because it used to be, all right, make sure you make a Facebook post that the gym is closed today. Make sure you make a Instagram post. Make sure you send out like this because you're trying to cover all your bases. Now, every member is required to have a phone number on file with me. Mm-hmm. I know that they're all going to get this text. Whether they read it or not, that's on them. But I can say I did my part and I sent out the, hey, don't come. We're closed today. We actually yeah. had a, a fire sprinkler system malfunction. I came in one day and there was just water everywhere. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. So I used that feature and, you know, it got to everyone. And yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I had a single person show up that day, you know, and then the very next day it was cleaned up and the pipe was replaced. And I was like, hey, we're back on. Sorry for that. And I sent it out the same way. And that alone was worth it to me to not have to make a hundred and some phone calls or, you know, it was just great. And the features that you get are fantastic. I will never switch. I will never do anything else. Um, <laughs> at this point, I don't want to learn anything else. I haven't even learned everything that Jimdesk has to offer. There are still features to this day where I'm like, oh, that must be new. And then I'm on the little tech support and I'm like, dude, that's been there for five years. I'm like, ooh. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. I don't even fully utilize it the way that it could be and should be used. Um, yeah. I can't say enough about it. I plug it nonstop on on our podcast. Um my podcast is not as well was. We just ended it, but it was not as like politically correct and, and the language wasn't as always like work safe. So I would tell people just simple things like if you're not if you own a martial arts school and you don't use gym desk. I don't know what you're doing with your life and I don't think you take your business very seriously. And that that's, <laughs> the, you know, usually say a little more vulgar than that. But it's true. If you are not investing in the infrastructure of your business and investing doesn't always mean spending the most money because mm-hmm. there's certainly more expensive software. But if you didn't do your due, dil- uh, due diligence and see what features it has to offer, what are you even doing? You know, and to the, the big thing is the tech support. I have never waited. I've never went more than 12 hours, even on weekends, without even getting a reply like, hey, we're out of office. We'll get back to you first thing Monday morning or something. Like, I'm not going to make this unrealistic claim that like I've got the owner on speed dial and I call him and wake him up at night. But they, everybody always gets back to me with either the answer I need or a realistic, hey, we're not quite sure we're going to work on this and we're going to get right back to you. And then they get back to me. And it's usually something I did because I'm in there moving things around that I shouldn't be. But it's usually, it's usually <laughs> error, error, a user error and not not the software. So yeah, yeah I can't, 
can't say enough about the software and the ability to focus on the teaching again and not... So yesterday was the first of the month, right? So that used to be a really stressful time for a school owner. Like who's... Whose accounts didn't bill this, that, the other, um, cancels. I've got people auto scheduled to cancel, people auto scheduled to start. And I just woke up yesterday and I got an email and you have X amount of payments processed. Hey, these didn't go through. So you know who you need to like kind of not hassle, but like, Hey, something happened with your card or, and then you can, here's a link. Oh, you got a new card last month. No problem. Here's a link updated on your own. Like just, it just makes my life so much easier. Not that my life yeah. is hard, but, but it makes it better in every aspect. And uh, as a school owner, when you can just almost have a turnkey, that's why I Gym Desk is great. The old title martial arts on rails, it was fitting for me because it's like once I had this thing going, it was like I just put this train on the tracks and it just went and it didn't require anything of me. Yeah. Someone knew or okay, you don't want to do this anymore, remove them. It was truly that easy. My business was on rail. So I always thought, hey, that's really clever. But Gym Desk is way easier for me to say. Yeah. But, uh, easier to explain too. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I would be talking to people I'm like, oh, you don't use M-A-O-R? And or sometimes I'd be like, M-M-O-A-R? Oh, uh, did I do it in the right order? So Gym Desk is fantastic. And the new logo looks really good too. Yeah. But um, it does. It just truly... I know every software says they revolutionize and streamline your business, but this one does. And because I've used all the other ones and they actually added work I would like, oh, I need yeah. to sit down for an hour today with this software. And I don't. Like, I've already looked off camera at just that gym desk on my phone, just like, oh, what do I have today for trial appointments and all? Like, I just, it's always right there and it's so easy for me. Yeah. There is no better management software for your school. And I don't care if you're karate, taekwondo, uh, yoga, whatever, it, it can be. What's where I'm like curtailed to your use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the best one out there. Yeah, that's uh, wow! What a shining review. <laughs> that's I appreciate that, man. That's um, I I use I use some other stuff, stuff too because I used to teach taekwondo, um, and I've worked in in martial arts schools as well. And I think I know it, the one you're talking about, um, but there are a couple of them. But uh, yeah, very expensive. Um, They've they've just they just do so much stuff that just I don't know they try to diversify into other markets they have all these like features that are not they're like wait they're too it's like opening up an Excel spreadsheet and like not knowing what to do it's like hey right. I just need to do these three things these are the right. three things I need to do I don't want to go through four YouTube videos each thirty minutes long to figure out how to do all this stuff I just need something that is like a rail, right? right yeah. It's there, it's ready to go. And it's super, it's easy to, to put together. And I ended up, I ended up using, um, is, you know, it's gym desk now, but at the time it was also martial arts and rail. Um, towards the end of when I was teaching and I kind of transitioned into away from working in martial arts. And it was like, I was like, man, I wish I had this like a year and a half ago. Like I, <laughs> it's like, um, Cause I went through like two, I went, dude, in one year, like a year, maybe a little more than a year. I probably went through like three. Yeah. Three so things. Same is, thing. And and I'll say their names cause I'm not going to trash why, but like I was on like, okay, Rainmaker. That was the 72 page PDF. So <laughs> Rainmaker. And I was like, oh man, I can't do this. And then um, I, the very first one ever was Champions Way. Cause every martial arts school in the world. Yeah. Was, 
Champions Way. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need all these features and I don't want to pay that per triple digit price tag. And then a friend of mine was running a, a CrossFit box and he's like, you got to use... Um, why am I drawing a blank right now? Zen Planner, I think was the, the one. Zen so Planner, was, yeah. I was on there real briefly and I'm like, man, this is cool for you. This has no martial arts specific... like. And so I was at the end of the rope and um, what I was doing was Square had just created the ability to do recurring invoices. So I had entered all of my customers into Square and set up recurring invoices and that was it. It would just bill. So it would do that. But then I had no information on them, not, not a birthday, no attendance tracking, no, um, no anything. And some of the, hey, I need to cancel and I couldn't schedule that cancel out or I'd be like trying to prorate with a calculator or like just all of these things that signing up a new student, the actual enrollment portion should take you five minutes or less. The rest of the time with your appointment or your consultation or however you run your school should be building a rapport and letting them know what they can expect here and what you can offer and showing them the facility including, you know, a, a private lesson or, or a trial class. It shouldn't feel like you're buying a house with sign here and do that and fill this out. And so yeah, really, yeah. with martial arts on gym desk, man, it's so <laughs> pre-programmed. I'm so yeah. sorry. Um, so when, so if you come take a trial class with me, as soon as you get there, like, hey, it's great to meet you. I'm just going to hand you an iPad because right there is the visitor form, which has the waiver embedded. You're going to do all that, right? And you're going to hand it back to me and we're going to go train. And then afterwards, we're going to do our normal, like, what did you like, didn't like, discuss membership and pricing. Your information is already there from the visitor form. The waiver is already signed. At that point, all I need from you is a form of payment and an enrollment form that you'll sign, which you don't even have to do right now. I tell my people like, go home, take a shower. It'll be in your email. Just sign it before you come to class again. You know, like it's, it's so easy. Sometimes when people come in, they're like, oh, uh, I wanted to sign up through your website or whatever, but I forgot. I'm like, cool, grab your smartphone, like pull my website up and you can do it right there. You can fill out the whole waiver and everything. Especially after the COVID thing, people weren't really excited to touch community devices again. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, you got one in your hand, which I still think is funny. You don't want to touch a community device, but you want to come in and touch the community in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school. But we'll leave that alone. I'm not going to... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like every trial we get scheduled, I can send them back a link. They fill out the waiver and it gives me a chance to start a dialogue ahead of time. So, hey, if you have any questions or anything for your visit, you can email here, you can call here. Um, or do you want to schedule a call and we can talk about what your experience is going to be like? I'm starting part of, I hate to say sales process because that sounds terrible, but I'm starting part of my new relationship with this person before they ever come into the academy. And that was made possible through the online booking, which I integrated into my own website. So yeah, yeah. I think it's been great. It, it has changed the way I do business. And it says really has just let me go back to doing martial arts business and not business business. It's yeah. like having an employee. That's, that's what the people that really get into teaching to teach. <laughs> not, not necessarily. Of course, they want to make a living, but they're not in it for money. The minute they, they want to, be able to live by teaching and just teach. Um, and it, this, this software makes it almost like, it's just not, it's just, it doesn't, it's not obtrusive, right? It's, it kind of blends in the background. It does its job really, really well. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to 
you don't have to go through four or five different software solutions and try to hack it all together and manage right. it manually and or or you know pay no somebody mail, money. No constant contact. No, I'm not using anything else. I don't even use like uh, I know some schools use like WhatsApp and all. Like mm-hmm. you can text my school, text it. It'll yeah. it'll go through Gym Desk. It'll come to my phone. It'll be in my email. At which point I can choose to text you back or I can reply to that email, which you will still receive as a text. I thought that was the greatest thing ever because nobody picks up a phone anymore. Everyone wants to text. So just the the features and for what you pay, I can't, I'm still waiting for the price to go up. And when it does, I'm not even going to complain, you know, (laughs) sooner or later it has to, everything goes up. Right. But like, um, just what you get is, and like anyone who's listening to this, um, I want to be hundred percent transparent. I thought I was just on yet another jujitsu podcast. I didn't know this was the podcast for Gym Desk. I would have said this stuff anyway, because I say it on mine all the time. Like it's, it is the software you should be using. And if you're listening to this podcast and you own a school, take the trial. Like if it sucks, you didn't lose anything, you know, but yeah, I guarantee it's cheaper than what you're paying for. I guarantee. Yeah. The trial's free. You don't have to get on a sales call. I have done like two or three of those. You don't have to get on a sales call with somebody to show you everything and ask you questions and try to sell you. You right. just, you don't have to put your credit card or anything. You just go, just try it out. Look at look around, see what's going on. You can put in contacts and, and stuff like that. Um, and then if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, no problem. Nobody's going to give you grief about it. Like it's, the best. Yeah. I love every time I think I have some great idea because I've been using the software for so long and I've been in contact with the owner. I'm like, hey, do you guys ever think you should add this? And he'll just reply like, Shane, we've had that. Like, here's a link. And I'm like, oh, like you guys have truly covered all the bases. And um, yeah, there's just, there's, there's nothing as a business owner I want. There's some things that I've been told that are coming and I don't know if I'm allowed to say them on here. But when those couple things happen, I'm going to be like, Super stoked, all in, like, like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real ready. Um, but it's the, the coolest thing, and the, and the last thing I'll say about that is, it let me just be a teacher again, and and that is worth. I would have paid three times as much to get that back. So that that was it. That that's the that's the sales pitch for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm sold. You sold me again. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's pivot a little bit. Um, you you had a podcast. You you said you shut it down, but you are going to be working um, with another production company. Yes. And and working on com- on a on a podcast through them. Um, what what got you into podcasting? I'm always curious about that. Uh, the the lockdown. You know, um, <laughs> being shut inside and. Yeah. Uh, if if you're still listening at this point, I don't know how long we've been on here. I like to talk, and my mommy's telling me, "God, you love the sound of your own voice." As a kid, I used to carry this tape recorder thing around and just talk into it and then play it back. So I'll talk <laughs> to anybody, anywhere, anytime about anything, and I'm very opinionated and I have a lot to say. So my girlfriend was like, "Man, you should do one of these jiu-jitsu podcasts because all you do is complain about how most of them suck." And I really believe most of the jiu-jitsu podcasts they they almost suck. They read as like, uh, well, this week in jujitsu, so-and-so disrespected so-and-so on Twitter. Gordon Ryan's hair is currently this color. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, like I wanted, I wanted to have some sort of space where new students like could ask a question from a black belt and not be berated or 
you know, just mistreated or there are certain instructors who are like, hey, that's a private lesson. Like, man, that's, that's not, it should be. So judo culture, I think, shaped how I think about things. Where like, if you walk into a judo academy and you're a, a white, a judo dojo, excuse me, if you're a white belt, the, you're supposed to ask a black belt to train. And in the jiu-jitsu culture, it's a little backwards. It's like, oh no, don't ask the don't ask the black belts to train. Like they got to ask you. And I don't agree with that at all. It is every black belt's responsibility to bestow whatever knowledge and experience you have on everyone underneath of you. That is your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I have some very unpopular opinions about jujitsu stuff. Um, I was on, I can't remember. It was a different podcast, and I was telling someone like they had an issue with bowing onto the mat. And bowing to an instructor. And I said, hmm. spin that around though. You guys are bowing to an instructor. He's also bowing to you, showing his appreciation for your trust and your time. You could have spent your time anywhere, you know, for your attentiveness. Or it's it's a mutual bow, not people bow to my feet and I stand there with my hands on my hips. Like I'm I'm also grateful to have students because without this, my dream wouldn't be possible. Right. So I wanted a podcast where Yes, I'm a black belt, but I'm also just a dude too. Like I do the same dorky things every other guy does. And I wanted to just be able to like relate and talk to people. And so it was uh, my girlfriend and I, and she's a jiu-jitsu student, which makes for an interesting dynamic because I'm her instructor. And it is not easy sometimes. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's difficult for, and I'm not, not talking poorly about her, but sometimes it's difficult for her to separate our relationship from yeah. our student-teacher relationship or certain yep. things where I'm like, hey, that's not right. Do it again. Could be taken personally. And then later that evening... It's going like, to cascade. <laughs> You're not talking to me. It's like, well, you didn't have to talk to me that way. That That's my her voice. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that because she's going to listen to this. That's okay. Um, but that was that was where the, the podcast was going. And we're like, you know what? We bet we're not the only people in this type of situation that trains with a significant other or that has real questions. We're both in our 30s. She's starting this in her 30s, you know, and was a, a single mom, you know, when she came into it. So like we had real world issues like, hey, how often should I train? Or like, hey, I don't bounce back like the 21-year-olds do. My shoulder hurts or this hurts. Or like, we just wanted a real podcast where we could have real dialect and that was it. That was the idea. You know, I didn't want to cover the IBJJF world's like results. Nobody cares. You know, like I wanted to talk about like, hey, we've tried these detergents on geese and they suck. Maybe you should try this one. Or, mm. hey, this is just good etiquette to do these things, not those things. Or we had a lot of people write in with questions. And one of the most common questions was like, hey, I'm going to quit. Like, talk me out of it. And we were able to answer people's questions and put them out there. And I really hope we stopped at least one person from quitting jujitsu. I'm not going to be naive and think that we got someone to do jujitsu because why would you be listening to a jujitsu podcast if you don't? So I don't think we've recruited anyone. Joe Rogan's the guy for that. As mm-hmm. a school owner, more people have come in and I always ask, what made you want to do this after they sign up? And it's usually, like, oh, I heard Joe Rogan or I heard Jocko Willink or I heard, you know, Anthony Bourdain used to do jujitsu or Paul Walker. Like it's really the celebrities are the ones who are pumping people into our doors. It's not... Years ago, when I was a young, stupid school owner, Gracie Magazine was like, hey, for $1,200, we'll put your information to your school in the magazine. And I was like, yes. And I paid the $1,200. <laughs> and later, I'm like, wait a minute. 
if you're flipping through the back of a Gracie magazine, you already do jujitsu and you're probably happy with where you are. So at yep. best, this might drop me a couple, this might net me a couple drop-ins from a traveling business person who's just looking for an academy where they're currently at. So yep. what a wasted marketing thing that was. And what I never intended was for my podcast to help my school to okay. be like some sort of ad or whatever. In fact, it's like yeah. we call our podcast a dojo storm. It's just because we thought it was funny. It had nothing to do with dojo storming anyone. It was just us being goofballs. And then I've got, you know, my Academy Range Jiu-Jitsu and then I'm part of the Hobsamora um, Nations United Arm and You Association. And I try to keep these things very separate because I have different opinions and things than Professor Hobson has and I don't speak for him and I don't speak for the team. So I didn't make this podcast about that. And I say things on this podcast that I probably wouldn't say in a class environment because I can. Mm-hmm. You, know, like you get a different version of me at work. But when I'm just having fun and just talking to jiu-jitsu people at, as you and I would like at a barbecue or anywhere else, you get a little bit more of my darker sense of humor or sometimes my language, which is not always the best. Mm-hmm. But you get like a more real, genuine experience. And that's what we wanted with our podcast. It was like sitting down with a couple of jujitsu buddies who maybe have just been doing it a little longer than you and uh, who were able to answer your questions. And it was a lot of fun for us. The problem is with me running the school and then with her, with her full-time job, she has a child. She's also training. She's actively competing a lot right now. And then just regular domestic stuff. It started to like slip through the cracks and... I would be like, hey, you know, we got to do a podcast. And there would be like this to her that that 90 minutes just seemed like I can't do that right now. I don't have time for that right now. Yeah. So what we just decided was like, you know, what, let's focus on the things that are, are more important. And um, I'm not going to say Dojo Storm is done forever. I'm not going to take it down. You know, the, the episodes that are out there, they're out there. They're on Spotify and you can find them. And yes, some of them are yeah. pretty old, but there's good information. So you just um, Dojo Storm on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, plug for a podcast that's no longer active. But, <laughs> but you know, I want to leave that stuff out there because the whole point was to help people. And by taking it down, who am I helping? So leave those question answers out there. Actually, we have one episode that has not been uploaded that is like a month or two old. And like, I just need to put it up because it was a full Q&A episode. And there's some mm-hmm. really good questions for us. So maybe I'll actually not be lazy when I get off of this one, upload that one. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> but... So then the the other idea that, that we have going right now is those of you who are, are heavy on Instagram, you know, or maybe are familiar with Choke Lab. Um, so Choke Lab does a lot of great content sharing of competition footage, instructional stuff. Um, and then they are an incredible brand. And I am not an owner. I am not. I have no vested interest. I'm just the guy who owns it is my closest friend within our association. So he's a Hobsmore black belt as well. He's like also like an older brother that he's a little older. We have all types of great conversations and not just jujitsu and him and I got the spitball and he's got a lot to say. I got a lot to say. Him and I just spend hours on the phone just talking. Mm. You know, one day I was like, man, someone, excuse me, would probably just really like to listen to our conversation, you know, because we yeah. talk about all types of things. And I was like, you know what, let's do that. Like, and he was like, yeah, let's, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And then I'm like, let's do it in conjunction with, with your brand, with your, your thing, you know, so that the concept for Choke Lab Radio was born. We've got um, some, he, Joseph Manuel, that's, that's who I've been talking about. He is way more connected with like the, the jiu-jitsu who's who. He's been around the sport for so long and like 
it, it's wild. We're at a tournament, like, you know, Philippe Andrew walks by and Joseph just starts talking to him and like, like knows him. And I'm like, that's Philippe Andrew. And he's like, oh yeah, I know him. I, we shot an instructional video or this. And I'm like, and what it's like to be in your world. So I was like, okay, let's do that. Then like, I, I'm the techie dork, you know, I know how to set all this up and, and I, and I like to talk and you know, a lot of people. And then plus we, he's also a lifelong martial artist. I'm like, and he's got a whole different background of, of things. He was heavy into the boxing and, uh, you know, like we have very different perspectives and very different opinions on certain things, but we find a way to not like argue. And like mm-hmm. I said, he's my closest friend in the team. So we're like, man, this would be really interesting. Um, and you have two black belts who are, who are there to give you maybe different viewpoints. And yeah. you know, so like that, that's the idea behind it. And then trying to bridge the gap and bring on some of the bigger name guys. But the idea will be not to do what other podcasts do when they have like a jiu-jitsu celebrity on. We want to talk about what does this guy do day to day? Or like, what, how do you manage the, you know, the stress or the balance or, you know, before you were able to feed yourself with jiu-jitsu, you know, like the, the Cabrinha story of him being a baker. I don't know if you ever heard any of that. Or No, I haven't. Yeah. yeah. My man was a baker, like a full on, like worked in a bakery early in the morning and like putting the bread in the oven. <laughs> like that's, he was doing like these crazy cakes and stuff. And that stuff intrigues me because at the end of the day, every jiu-jitsu person you know is still a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe sometimes we put like jiu-jitsu people like on this weird pedestal or like, you know, like if, if you saw like a Andre Gaval at McDonald's, someone would be like, oh my God, get a picture. I can't believe he's here. Like you know, Andre Miguel's, Gaval's allowed to look like McDonald's, you know, like maybe not every day, but that it might be a one day a month or whatever. And I would like to, to use this new project to kind of like humanize, you know, some of these guys and mm-hmm. see like, Hey, what are you really into? You know, oh, you're a big video game nerd. Cool. Like what's your gamer tag? People want to play with you or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's the project We're we're slow rolling it. Cause you know, Joseph runs a school. I run a school. He's in Jersey. I have found myself in Idaho for the last six years. And uh, so the time difference makes things hard. You know, yep. trying to get a, even just linking up with you today, like for anyone listening, I was like three hours late because I didn't adjust for the time difference. I was supposed <laughs> to connect much earlier. Um, so it's, it makes it difficult to, to work on a project with someone across the country. Right. But, um, but we're working on that. And then obviously the, you know, the choke lab website is out there. Um, I'm terrible at this. I think it's just chokelab.com. And then there's some really, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, like you can download some great instructions. We talked about instructionals. There's some fantastic instructionals mm-hmm. on there too. And he's continuing to do them. Um, the gear is fantastic. I'm a big King's Gi guy. And the only thing you'll find in my closet that's not King's is usually Progress or Maeda. And those were like King's subsidiaries. But now the Choke Lab stuff is starting to like... <laughs> it's because it's good quality stuff. And I like the fit. Yeah. And you can support a friend in in their their space. You should, you know? And... uh so, yeah, that's it. There was no, no like big secrets or anything. Uh, it's something new. It's coming. Um, Joseph is way more active on social media than I am. So he'll probably spearhead that end. He's really great at content creation and interaction. Joseph is like super approachable. And so mm-hmm. that'll be a cool thing, you know, for him. And I just get to talk more like I'm important. <laughs> yeah. It's always fun to talk. To have a discussion. Yeah, that's cool. Did you guys have, um, it, it's what I'm gathering here from listening to that is that you're really just trying to 
help people connect in a different way to the jujitsu community. Um, is there any other goals other than that, or is that just that's just what, what you want to do? So Joseph was out here uh, a couple weeks ago for the Boise Open, and him and I got a chance to. Uh, we don't see each other as much as we used to because I I have now moved to the opposite coast. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that like stuck with me that he was saying was like his goal is to add to jujitsu to improve the the value of jujitsu and not just on the mat. And so when I got to thinking about this pod this podcast and this project, I was like, hey dude, you remember what you said about like let's add to jujitsu? That's what this podcast should be. We should add to jujitsu. And whether that be answering someone's question or maybe allowing someone to speak up or kind of voice a concern or something they wouldn't be comfortable saying amongst their team or their Mm. instructor for whatever reason, just giving someone an outlet or being yet another resource. And that was the beauty of tying with Choke Lab because you have great instructional stuff, plus you share all types of competition footage Mm -hmm. and then being able to put like some dialogue behind that and like just being in, we're not here to to sell anything, you know, like Choke Lab already sells stuff. And even that's the one thing I admire about him so much is he's like, man, if if I sell one, you know, belt or one gi a month, I'm happy. Like he's like, that's not how I made my money. Like I, I have my school and I do my best for my students. Like I just made gear that I wanted to wear myself. And then my friends started to want to wear. And it was very like true grassroots. It wasn't like he was sitting around going, man, I really need to get on this, like this gi grind game and I'm going to be the next show your role. That's the one that I love it when he says, it. he's like, man, I'm not trying to be the next Tatame or show your role. Or like, I, this will never be my primary thing. My primary thing is being on the mat and just sharing my jiu-jitsu. And then he even found a way to do that through the choke lab instructional stuff. And mm-hmm. sometimes behind the camera and sometimes he's in front of the camera and like, yeah, he's just, uh, this sounds weird, but like, and like I say, he's my best friend, but like, he's got a beautiful mind and, uh, and the thing with a beautiful mind is sometimes someone just has to talk to them and put the, poke them and push the right buttons to get yeah. them to talk and to say yep. things. And him and I have these fantastic conversations all the time and no one benefits except us, you know? And I'm like, this is how we can improve jiu-jitsu. Like, it's a small thing, but it's something that we can do. And I've already got all the equipment from the other podcast and all it's going to cost us is time and you know, we've already got a website and hosting. You've got a fan base. I've got a fan base. Let's, you know, let's unite the clans and see what happens. And <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. You know, the whole thing could tank. People might not like, you know, us together. The dynamic might not be there. Who knows? But like, we don't know till we try. And mm-hmm. so, it's like, man, let's just do it. And uh, it, it'll be fun, you know? Yeah. The sucks. Him and I will just keep having great phone conversations and you guys can't listen to that. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I got a buddy that's just that's funny. I have a buddy that's just like that, and uh, we've had so many. We're like, man, we got to record when we, we have these conversations. Yeah. We just had hours and hours and hours of conversations, and we did record one, and it was like three hours long. I haven't released it yet um, on my other podcast, and it's just for it was forever. I'm gonna have to cut it down because it's just so so long. But um, yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like you have some chemistry. I think people are gonna be wanting to listen in on that for for sure. Hopefully, yeah. Um, I don't do. Are you? Do you still have some time, or are we starting? Yeah, I'm good for a while. Okay, I think. Yes. All right. So, well, I'll, my uh, last last topic will be um, this competition project you've got going on. Tell me, tell me about that. What's the uh, what's the litmus behind it? What's or the catalyst rather? Um, 
yeah, let's start there. Uh, so yeah, that was, um, it's funny because, so you and I have a mutual friend and, and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what the really dynamic is. He's like your coworker or your boss, right? I don't know how. Boss. But, <laughs> so he had mentioned, you know, like, Hey, Shane was going to do this tournament. And because I had contacted him like, Hey, is there any ability to use martial arts on rails to be the actual, sorry, gym desk. Ugh, I swear I'll get it right. One of these <laughs> gym it's, desk. It's so after so many years, yeah, I know, I know. It's like, um, I totally apologize. But was there any way to utilize the software to do something like what Smooth Comp does? Because again, I don't want another account. I don't want another. And I've seen how truly like on Rails, this thing, I don't even have any other, other way to describe it is um, if they could do like tournament hosting and bracketing and registration, if they could handle that the way they handle my business, I think that's one of the number one things that stops people from getting involved in organizing a tournament is the administrative. What a nightmare. That many competitors, that many um, getting their information, generating brackets, just waivers. Waivers for a small tournament has four to 500 competitors, right? Yeah. So like just getting that, collecting that that data, like, man, this is something that maybe Jimdesk could do. So I contacted him and it was like, okay, not at this time, but like that's, that's something that, you know, potentially on the table. Um, <clears throat> great. And then I started really looking at, I hate, hate's a strong word. I strongly dislike almost one to two aspects of almost every tournament I see that comes around. Um, and again, unpopular opinion. I really enjoy the IBJJF. I do. I think it's a, it's a great organization. I like the rule set, which I know a lot of black belts do not. Mm-hmm. I like the rule set. Um, I think it's very safe, but still allows jujitsu to, to be entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not a big nogi guy. I don't like seeing double guard pools and a bunch of like uh, the honey hole and the, you know, all the foot stuff like that. That doesn't excite me. I want to see two guys like, go at it and, and fight for the grips, fight for the takedown, insist on the guard pass. And so I like the IBJJF. And I'm, I know that they have had criticism for a lot of allowing things like the double guard pool, but they, every year they release updates. They try mm-hmm. to make it more user-friendly or more spectator-friendly, sorry. Because I think that's what's wrong with jiu-jitsu right now is if you took someone who didn't train and you took them to the worlds, for them to get as excited about it as you are, they would have to understand. So... And jiu-jitsu is really tough to understand. I mean, we got yeah, guys who yeah, have been yeah. doing it forever and they still don't understand. So I thought to myself, if I could create a tournament and take a rule set that's pretty much universally recognized and this makes them, I would probably, well, not probably, I fully intend to do away with um, penalty points and advantage points because I have had to explain that so many times to my own students and sometimes in my own explanation, I just stop. And I'm like, that wouldn't even make sense to a five-year-old. So why, like, well, you almost swept the guy. So we're going to give you this, this little partial point that doesn't add up to anything. But if you tie, then it matters. Like, it's just it's not logical. Um, so I love how the IBJJF format runs. I think it's fantastic. The, the standards on gi checking for size and just kind of trying to, I think that's great. When you see the other smaller tournaments, um, you know, Naga, US Grappling, Grappler's Quest. Um, there's the one that I absolutely loathe and I'm completely anti. Um, why am I drawing a blank right now too? 
grappling industries. Mm-hmm. They're just traveling everywhere. Mm-hmm. The rule set and all, and, and it's fine for other people. I don't like seeing blue belts toe hold and knee bar. And I'm like, it's a bit early, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a great power you have when you start messing with people's knees. And at the end of the day, yeah. everyone's got to go to work tomorrow. So maybe on a Saturday getting knee barred real hard and, and not being able to go. <laughs> yeah. So I just trying to create a tournament that is accessible for everyone that I like the organization. I'm more or less following the IBJJF guidelines on most everything. Even I love how you don't have to be there all day where like some tournaments like, oh, weigh-ins at 8.30, your matches at 4.30. That's terrible. Be there an hour before, get your gi inspected, make your weight. You know, um, I think like a federation membership is a great idea. Everyone's like, oh, that's just another cash grab. No, that allows to keep people one engaged and I have a, I have a membership, an annual card and whatever. So I'm, mm-hmm. I better do more than one tournament. Right. So that's going to help keep people going. Yeah. Right? And then if you use that money properly to invest and this is the big thing in proper training of referees, because local tournaments, they always, they jump on Facebook or whatever and like, Hey, we need purple belts and above who want a referee come an hour early. We'll go over the rules with you. We'll pay you $20 an hour. I have seen so many bad referees. And it's not that they're bad humans. It's they haven't been trained where the IBJJF mm-hmm. has a standardized course and an exam. And you know, like you have to pass this thing because right. you're playing with people's experience. Like you're paying a hundred, 120 bucks or some places 75 bucks to compete. And think of this for the kids. You get a kid out there. It's their first term and ever. They're already nervous and scared and excited and all these things. And you're giving out the wrong points or the wrong whatever, or you allow something unsafe to happen, hmm. you may have just ruined jujitsu for a human's entire life. They may never do this again. Yeah. Right. So it's a huge responsibility to be a referee. I think you should know the rules inside and out, be able to recite them, be able to show examples of them. And it's so that would be my number one focus. Everyone can complain about tournament pricing and this and that. My focus would be referees, a hundred percent educated referees, not come an hour before the event. I've been some grappling industries where they make an announcement. Hey, is anyone in the crowd want a referee? And I'm like, what just happened? Like, wow. Right. So, so and, and I understand they're doing the best they can with what they have. It's a traveling tournament, but I, I feel like there's a certain level of responsibility when you run a promotion to provide clean mats, educated referees, and an orderly system to you have to be respectful of everyone's time, right? You can't have a family there all day. I remember when my um, my girlfriend was competing and she had to bring her daughter with her. Her daughter was four at the time. And she's got her kid there all day because her division is supposed to be at one and doesn't really kick off till five. That's a really mm. long time to have a small child. I mean, we, we run out of battery on the iPad. We ran out of snacks. We like, that's tough. And then that starts to put pressure on the competitor. Like, oh man, my kid is, is unhappy and I just need to get this thing done. Like, yeah. we just need a tournament that really focuses on the athlete and not the financial bottom line. Mm-hmm. And like anything, if you run your school and you just try to provide the best product and service, the money will come. It will come. But if you do like a cash grab tournament, we're like, hey, we're going to sign up 500 people at 75 bucks. We're going to grab these yahoos out of the crowd for 20 bucks an hour. We're going to give them all a t-shirt that says referee. 
those people may not come back. You may see less and less. But if you put on a good tournament, you put on a good tournament one time, people will be skeptic. Maybe that was a fluke. You run that experience back and you give them the same or more value the second time around. They're like, okay, we're on to something. Run three or four tournaments like that. You're a legend in whatever your local area is. Even if you ran them quarterly, you know, people will be pre-registering months in advance. They will be excited. They will be telling other schools. School owners are not the best at communicating with each other. We all kind of like yeah. have these little weird rivalries or maybe yeah. we won't come right out and say we don't like each other or whatever. But Or there's ones you do like. If I know about a tournament that's well run, I'm going to tell another school owner, hey, you sending your guys or your girls? Like, I'll see you there. We'll see you there. And maybe even that friendly rivalry comes back. If this tournament organization has like a, you know, a top academy award, that always interests me at, at the pans or whatever to see that team trophy. You know, mm-hmm. to see two or three black belts holding that up or like you might actually start to get more of that in smaller communities and not just Los Angeles, not just, you know, uh, where did they just have pans? It was somewhere in Florida. Um, where was oh, it? Uh, I want to say Kissimmee, but I don't think it was Kissimmee. Either way. Yeah, I can't remember now. So you always get like the Chicago Open, the Houston Open, the New York Open. There's no reason that production quality can't come to smaller places like here in Boise, Idaho. We had an, uh, a Boise Open uh, and it was a great experience. And I think there's jiu-jitsu is growing here at a rapid rate. When I first got here, there were three schools, me and two others. Now there are so many schools. Like I mm-hmm. can't even... like we can sustain a a real tournament and people will compete. And if you run it correctly, especially for children, you will get lifelong customers. And profit is not a dirty word in any business. If Mm -hmm. you treat people well and you give them exactly what you say you're going to give them and or more, they will continue to support whatever your venture is and they'll be happy about it. You'll profit and everyone will win. And I just haven't seen a tournament run that way yet. And I know it sounds really like a beautiful fairy tale, but that's what I'm aspiring to do. And I'm rather than just launch it half cocked, this has been in the works for over two years. Um, and I'm still working on it and it's going to happen. And somebody may listen to this podcast and hear all my ideas and whatever, and they may pull the trigger before me. And I'm going to say, great, because the more quality tournaments there are, even if we all had the exact same format, you want to rip my idea off or whatever, go for it. I will send you my entire business plan in a PDF <laughs> so that jujitsu improves. And that's the one thing that, that I got from Joseph. How can I improve jujitsu while I'm here? And that's, yeah. that's all I really am trying to do. Sorry, I keep losing you. I don't know if it's all right. Okay. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. So my cool. screen goes black. So I, I can see you and then I can't. Which oh, is also probably user error, but <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Man. That's um I, there need to be more people, I think, innovating in the in the tournament space. Um but yeah, dude, it's uh we're ideas out there too that like just more conversations like this. Mm-hmm. Because maybe you've had a good experience or a bad experience and and I need to hear about both. I need to get yeah, that data to put the best product out. But absolutely, all right, man. It's uh, it's been a this is going to be a long episode. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you where where people can find you and let you go. Um, so I am kind of a hermit and rather elusive. 
But you can if you're if you're an Instagram person, I don't even know my it's uh Rain R E I G N, similar to the energy drink, Rain Jiu Jitsu Boise. That's all mm-hmm. I want. That, that is my academy. Um, I don't have a personal account. I don't I don't do that. Um, I used to, and it it just felt like it was too much to keep up with. And I'd rather focus on one thing. So Range Jiu Jitsu Boise on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook too, I think, not super active. Um the podcast, which we talked about, which is no longer up. Uh, well, it's up, but we're not producing new episodes. That was on Instagram as well. And that was just the Dojo or just Dojo Storm podcast. And give it a follow because at any time when she wants to do an episode, we're going to do one because I'm always down. So we might just <laughs> release them at random. It may not be a schedule. Yeah. Um, and then right now, the biggest thing I'm working on is just... Um, working with Choke Lab to get this thing out. And while we don't have any social media presence for the podcast, I would say check out Choke Lab directly. And that's just choke underscore lab on Instagram. And uh, check them out. And if you want to give my academy a follow, you know, that's cool too. And if, if you have a, something you want to say, or man, you were really annoying. Hope you never go back on there again. Send it to me. Send it in my DMs. It's fine. <laughs> I can take it. So, that's really it. Um, I think my, my school's website is Range Jiu-Jitsu Boise, but there's nothing on there really except for like a schedule. And it's not the most... It's always web designers who have the worst websites for themselves. I do great work for other people. My own stuff yeah. is basic. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully get that Choke Lab podcast going. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm easy to find. So, and my, my name, which no one really believes. So yeah, Mount is really my last name, Shane Mount. Like that's, <laughs> so you can just, you can find me. I'm out there. Um, I didn't change it when I became a jiu-jitsu guy. It's just this strange, awkward last name that's just fitting out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, now, well, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been great. Sorry, sorry for the delay. I'll, I'll learn to read a clock better next time. Yeah, no worries, dude. <laughs>